Tilecast, news, features and analysis brought to you by Diary of a Tile Addict. Well, it's good to see you again. Where have you just come back from? Right, I've been making my near annual pilgrimage to Revestir, the Brazilian tile show held in Sao Paulo, and uh, one of the fixtures on the ceramic tile calendar. Oh, so how many times have you been before then? Oh, quite a few. I think the first time I went was about 18 years ago, and I haven't gone every year since, but I've done a good chunk of years. Plus, obviously, a gap recently because of uh, COVID-19. Oh, I'm showing your age a bit now. Um, so, how, mo- how many other journalists were there? Were you, were you right, well, company? there were obviously Brazilian journalists, but of overseas journalists, there were rumoured to be five, me and three from South America, plus and somebody called Marco from Italy, but none of us actually managed to see Marco the entire time we were there, although he was supposed to be staying at the same hotel. Oh, OK. Well, hello, Marco, if you're out there. Just let us know what happened to you, because we're concerned. But at any rate, how was the show? Well, it was it was different from any other Revestia I've ever been to, but that was because it's, it had moved from the Transamerica Centre to the Sao Paulo Expo. Uh, so it's now a show on a grow bag. The previous venue had a, a daily capacity of around 20,000. The Sao Paulo Expo is about 57,000 and it is big. It's very big. The main hall is somewhere between one and one and a half kilometres long. Uh, So it is super huge and it can accommodate a pretty big tile show. So is this a natural progression from where it was before the pandemic or did it just have to move and then it filled the space? Do you know? I think it was that they had run out of space, that there was a limit to how far they could take the show but my my guess is that was a decision made pre-pandemic and now it would have probably fitted quite well in the old one but going forward it'll need the new space because largely it was Brazilian exhibitors this time whereas in the past there's been a pretty good representation of big factories particularly from Europe but also from emerging nations like China, India, whatever. Oh right so they might come back in future shows you think? Well I'd think so I mean essentially any tile show in the world at the moment has very little Chinese representation because of the strict lockdown then and although that's been lifted it's going to take a while for all the commercial activities to kick up again I think. Mm. So who was attending then, apart from you journalists? Right, well, it's uh, it's essentially about 40% architects and interior designers, about 30% distributors and retailers, about 10% developers and contractors, and then there's a large part of about 20% of others. And I suspect that a lot of those are just interested house owners and just people who like to go to the interior design show. So there weren't many foreign exhibitors this year. So who, who was buying and selling at the show? Right, well, there never are a, a vast number of foreign exhibitors or visitors. This year, I was told there were around a 1,000 foreign visitors and quite a few of them had been specifically invited. But they were supposed to be drawn from 55 countries, but the largest element 
without any doubt would have come from South and Central America because that is really where the Brazilian market lies. It exports, Brazil exports somewhere in the region of $490 million worth of tiles a year. And of that, 51% or so is to South America, 25% to North America and 20% to Central America. So if you put all those sums together, it doesn't leave much for anywhere else. Europe, for instance, only accounts for about 2% of Brazil's so it is, it's a show for the Americas, really, at the, at the moment, at any rate. I think that is what it is. I'm not sure that's what it aspires to be. But, you know, it's fine. It, I mean, uh, South America is a very big place and a successful show there. You're still talking about a huge audience. I mean, Brazil alone is 200 million plus. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I think they would like it to be a big international reference point. But at the moment, you know, it's fair to say it probably isn't. Right. So and where where's Brazil at in terms of designs? Right. Well, I would say that since I've been going there, Brazil is beginning to look more and more like everywhere else in terms of tile designs. When I first went there, as I say, 18 years ago, it had a distinctly Brazilian feel. Some of the themes and the patterns and textures were Brazilian. For instance, the sort of stuff that dealt with rain forest decors that sort of thing and there were quite a lot of natural materials based on indigenous materials in brazil like bamboo or some of the exotic hardwoods well now if you didn't if you could take the name off each of the stands and you'd say to somebody you know where is this tile company from and not that many you would immediately go oh they're brazilian there are one or two um there are companies like manu fatty and nina martinelli that are distinctly brazilian but that's because they're doing things that really you only see in brazil like cogobo or they're using certain colours or materials that I think the well-trained eye would tell you are Brazilian. But if you went onto Portobello's stand or Eliani's stand or Portinari's stand or Elizabeth's stand, you could be on any of the big European factories. You'd better backtrack Kogobos. Explain. Kogobos, right. The pierced three-dimensional screens that allow light and air through, which are distinctly Brazilian. If you ever look on Diary of a Tile Addict, you'll see I've written quite extensively about these pieces because I love them. And they are something I first saw in Brazil and they are still something that is a distinctive trademark, really, of the Brazilian tile show. This year, there were there were only, only three stands that had them, Manufati, Portinari and Portobello, but there were some interesting ones. There was one which incorporated quite a lot of reclaimed muscle shell. Wow. Um, and then there were some simple glazed ones. Uh, Manufati had the best display, really, really really beautiful screens with different shapes and as you walk past them you get the kind of distorted view through them oh, they're, they're wonderful things there was there was a bit of that at uh, Chersai wasn't there I mean that seemed to be a fairly new thing at Chersai a sort of three-dimensional tile structure that was designed as a, a room divider or a... yep um, it's coming um, there was I've seen them at the surface design show in London I've seen them at uh, Clerkenwell Design Week but <laughs> I think, I mean, if I want to claim anything, I mean, I have been singing the praise of these things for quite a few years now, and it's taken a long time for anybody to to bring them to Europe. There is now one company in London that's doing it. But I think with the trends, the current trend, dominant trend for indoor-outdoor living, Kagobo have got a huge role to play. Plus, you can have them as half-height screens indoors. Because they're pierced, they're not so dominant um, and they're beautiful. So it's fair to say then that possibly Bra- the Brazilian show in the past has actually influenced in Europe. I suspect tiles. so. Um, 
There's no doubt that the the top Brazilian factories, and I would have to single out Portobello here. If you were if you were serious about the tile industry, you really are going to have to pay close attention to what this factory is doing because they are so ambitious. Uh, they're so good at investing in design, investing in manufacturing, production technology. But yeah, I've I've always found that the smaller factories that you see at Revishdeer have some fascinating product. Um, a lot of it is never exported, but you can always export the ideas. Yeah. That's- Absolutely. But if you say it's beginning to look a bit more like a European show as well, it's going both ways. It is. I mean, there are still noticeable differences. Um, I would say that the large trends are the same. I mean, there's a lot of white marble effects. There are a lot of stone, beige stone effects, so the sort of limestone, lots of cement effects. What this year, there were far fewer wood effect tiles at Brazil than there have been in the past. That was quite interesting. And there are a lot more glossy tiles than you would probably see in a European or a North American show now. But, you know, that's that's maybe just the trend over there. And, and favourites? What, um, what stood out for you apart from the Gogoas? Well, the thing that stood out for me probably were some of the 1970s inspired tiles. So curved patterns brown on brown tones they're kind of you know playful throwbacks and that was a dominant theme there were some other things i mean some of the colors blue and particularly green marbles which i mean we were seeing that in shows like chair science evisama but it was underlined i think at revishtia i would say they were the main differences and obviously because you're tending to see the big factories displaying there they, i mean the, brazil has got about 60 large-scale manufacturers but they are largely into large format tiles so you were seeing that plus a few slab people. And really, I think there was only one big European factory there, which was the Iris Group, which had FMG and Area Steer and some of their other brands. But it was you know, large formats um, and medium-sized formats, generally, from the, from the big factories. And, and going on around the show, what, what's a Brazilian show like to go to? Right. Uh, I think that there are, if I count up three kind of distinguishing features, one is the mix of people. It may just be me, but it always seems there are, it's a lot closer balance between male and female attendees at Brazil. So conspicuously more women attending the show. And I would say the audience is younger than the average tile show in Europe. And they do the the talks. They have a sort of series of architectural talks linked to the show. And that is very well attended and it attracts some really big names. Um, so the likes of Ron Arad have spoken wow. there and, and yeah. others. Um, and it's very international. And it's I always find that interesting in a show that is maybe quite South American. The speakers are from Japan, China, Europe, North America, pretty much anywhere. And they are some, they've had some really big names. I mean, other people who are talented will know I really like, like Patricia Coyler has spoken there. You know, they get some, they get some really top names. Oscar Nehemiah. Mm. Yeah, they've had, they've had some real, real top architects there so it sounds like quite an outward looking event it is and uh, maybe the, the the most distinguishing feature that shows this is the prevalence of social media at the show and you think what, what do you mean by that is that <laughs> that was said like an old bloke saying social media yeah well it, it, hello <laughs> old bloke talking no what i found it fascinating because not only are there loads of people there who are clearly there to uh, post up selfies and videos and other things and they are dressed for the part and they in pairs and it's nearly all 
all women doing this, but that a lot of the stands are playing balls too. So they have specific areas that are designed to be sat in and photographed on. And it's, I mean, it, this show took it to quite extremes. There was a Barbie car you could sit in and have your picture taken as a Barbie. But next door, there was a box. So you could actually be the Barbie doll in a box across the hall. <laughs> and there were Ken? T- uh, Ken wasn't really at races, I'm afraid. Across the hall, and then there was Barbie's bedroom. Barbie's kitchen, Barbie's uh, b- bathroom. Okay, well, I'm kind of hoping this isn't a forthcoming trend, but you know. Well, I think, but I think the other areas there will be. I mean, brands like Elizabeth, who stand was absolutely enormous, by the way. They had three. They spanned three aisles of this show, and each one had a huge seat with a ceramic logo above the top of it, and it was designed so that people could pose in it and have their photograph taken and project the brand around the world. But there were so many other stands. The the key thing seemed to be you've got a fancy seat, I mean, like suspended chair or an enormous sofa, and you encourage people to come. To but the, but the, the brand names were loomed large, presumably. Uh, was it not just good marketing? It, it wasn't as... Actually, I mean, I thought at first, yes, it, this is just purely so that people will be photographed in front of the brand. And actually, though, as I went around the show recording all of these things, not many of them actually did have the brand that visible except of course Revishnir hadn't hadn't missed out on this it had huge 3d logos both at the main entrance outside and inside and all day people were posing by this and having their photograph taken Mm. and it was hilarious because they didn't just pose once they had a whole series of different poses sitting standing fingers on chins gurning and they (laughs) it was just just watching the repertoire go through them was hilarious for an old bloke for an old bloke (laughs) i think it'd be hilarious for anybody come on give me a break yeah no it's always good to be outside looking in there in my eyes but still Okay, so, you know, it sounds like it's useful on many levels, this show. Um, and, you know, a bit of a trendsetter. And it probably always has been the result well, of it. it is interesting on, on a lot of levels. I mean, I would say that probably if you were running a big European tile shop, you're not going to go there to find a whole load of products to, to stock because, you know, the distance is still probably prohibitive. But if you want to experience something different, get some ideas about how a different culture demonstrates tiles, both the commonalities and the differences, it's a great show. It is fun. I mean, it's a, it's a fun event. You can go to some very interesting talks and you'll see some brands that you just don't get to see if you go to Chersai or Sevisama or Coverings. So, so. so pretty good for your interior designers and your, your specifiers who are, you know, wanting to look a little bit beyond. I, th- I think it would. I mean, there are some issues with, if you're like me, not a Portuguese speaker, because a lot of the people there don't speak very good English. And certainly to my ears, Portuguese is very difficult to understand. Um, even when you're looking at the words and somebody's speaking to them, I mean, I just find a huge disconnect. So there is, there is a slight element of that. And it is a South American show catering for largely for Brazilians. So, you know, why should they cater for people from the UK? But you still get a lot out of it. The visual element of it, the the sort of slight party atmosphere that's there, you can't help but appreciate. Um, And it was rammed. It was supposed to attract 60,000 over the four days. Well, I I spoke to Andre Campagna, who's the head of marketing for the show on the second day, and they had over 30,000 through on that day alone. And he said they'd actually had turned off the online registration, not because the venue couldn't cope, but he was just worried about 
clogging up all the roads and in in the vicinity if he attracted too many people there. Surely not. You can't be worried about attracting too many people to a show. Well, that's what he told me. <laughs> um, and it's true, but I mean, this is also true of Bologna and quite a few other exhibition centres, is if it's a weakness of both this and the previous venue, is that they are just not well served by public transport. So basically everybody has to drive to it. And that means either driving in their own car or in an incredible number of minibuses that keep the whole thing kind of serviced for people. And because most people are staying in the centre of Sao Paulo, which is a, you know, quite a decent drive away, it does clog up the roads. And frankly, Sao Paulo's roads don't need any help to be clogged up because if there's the one thing I don't like about the place is the, there are just staggering numbers of cars and particularly motorbikes on the roads. And it feels very, very dangerous. So they don't have some kind of um, park and ride scheme, which would seem like an obvious solution to that. Well, the obvious solution would be to have a big train station there and the train's just arriving and mm. picking people off. But no, they don't. And they didn't at the previous one. And it is a it is a very car-centric kind of city, it seems to me. I mean, this, yes, it has bus systems. But no, I would say most people arriving there were, were driving there themselves or coming on buses from the stations because most of the buses that were um, serving people as they left the show were heading for station, train stations in town. So would you recommend going if you were from, you know, from Europe or from North America or Asia? Would you think it's worth a trip just for a different taste of stuff? Well... I mean, the fact that I've been going there for 18 years, um, you can probably guess the answer. I think it is. I wouldn't say go there every year and I wouldn't say go there with a view to doing it your only buying trip of the year or your only evaluation of trends or whatever. But if you once every X number of years to get a sense of something different, to experience a very vibrant culture one that takes design very seriously but has a different, slightly different take on it than in Europe, um, it's absolutely worth it. And some of the brands are truly world-class. I mean, you know, I've obviously already mentioned Portobello, but Portinari, Eliani, Elizabeth are huge brands. Plus you see Pamessa and Rocca have got big Brazilian operations and they're exhibiting. And then there's some of the biggest factories in the world, like Insepa and stuff will be there as well. Um, yeah. It is surprising that there weren't big Mexican manufacturers exhibiting there. And maybe that's because they're keeping their powder dry for, for coverings in a few weeks. So it was largely Brazilian fare. But, I, you know, I don't think that's a, that's a problem. Well, of course, the good news is that if other people can't manage to get there and you can, then you can tell them all about it. So I think there's going to be more information up. And I think you've already done one article on Diavitalet, haven't you? And there's yeah. a bit more to come. Uh, one, in, one incident, you know, incidental fact, which I rather tickled me that the hotel I was staying at with, along with the other three international journalists who actually were from Argentina, Colombia and Paraguay was that this is also where the a lot of the big international buyers who had been invited by the show were staying and they were largely from South America and I don't know if anybody's seen the TV series Spanish TV series called Money Heist or uh, something de Papiel La Casa de Papel I think uh, La Casa de Papel Not Papel. my Spanish is any good yeah, but... La Casa de Papel but Papel, where where yes. the main sorry all spanish speakers we don't speak spanish la... leave that to hannah she does okay <laughs> so we take them from the casa de papel where the main characters are named after worldwide cities the people who were staying at the hotel with me had adopted the names so we were sitting having a, a drink after the show one night and it was oh here comes colombia and then it's oh hello paraguay and they were basically all talking about each other as uh 
by their com- by their country names. I was, of course, Inglaterra, um, although they or sometimes attempted to call me Joe, which is hilarious because it came out as something like enjoy. Um, but after a while, I realised that they were talking to me, so that was good. But yeah, it was just they were and also really really nice people. And I was interested to find that the the guy from Panama. Had also been at Sevisama two weeks ago, so you know serious serious tile buyers, um, and they were having a, a really good time. And you know clearly they are regulars; they love the show. Um, so the small numbers of o- overseas foreign visitors didn't mean that there weren't some really high cast ones there. And probably if you're an exhibitor, that's all you need. I mean, a thousand quality buyers is plenty. Yeah, or some top-notch journalists to tell everyone else about it that couldn't go. So yeah, I, yeah, that's cool. yeah. And that was the strange thing with you know, those three interior design magazines from South America and Diary of a Tile Addict, and that was well, well, job done, really, I think, from them, from the press point the of world. view. Yeah, yeah. No, well, <laughs> that's brilliant, Joe. Thanks for that. Hope you enjoyed listening, everybody, from wherever you are in the world. Do let us know what you think of the show. And by the by, um, tomorrow I'm off to Portugal to go on a tour of tile factories there. You're just showing off now. I am just showing off, but, you know, keep listening. You (laughs) never know. Okay. See you next week, Joe. You've been listening to Tilecast, produced by Diary of a Tile Addict. To ensure you don't miss any future episodes, don't forget to follow us. You can also find show notes and receive updates on news feeds, articles, podcasts and videos direct to your inbox by subscribing to the diaryofatileaddict.com website. Get the inside track at Diary of a Tile Addict. 